Most companies aren't in the billing business, yet they need to deal with pricing and billing as a core piece of technology, whether they want to or not. Stigs is an easy to implement headless pricing and packaging platform that takes a lot of the hassle out of pricing and billing for your SaaS application. Their APIs help developers launch new pricing plans faster that lead to better customer buying experiences. Anton Zagrabelny is the CTO of Stake, and he is my guest today. This episode is hosted by Lee Atchison. Lee Atchison is a software architect, author, and thought leader on cloud computing and application modernization. His most recent book, Architecting for Scale, is an essential resource for technical teams looking to maintain high availability and manage risk in their cloud environments. Lee is the host of his podcast, Modern Digital Business, an engaging and informative podcast produced for people looking to build and grow their digital business with the help of modern applications and processes developed for today's fast-moving business environment. Subscribe at mdb.fm and follow Lee at leeatchison.com. Anton, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. And how did I deal with your name? <laughs> People ask me that a lot. So first, first of all, I'm really glad to be here. Um, so you pronounce it correctly. It's a Gerbelny. Uh, it's Ukrainian in origin. A little bit to, a little bit hard to pronounce for some people, but you you done great. Great, great. Well, welcome to uh, Software Engineering Daily. And well, headless pricing and packaging. So, what led you? You know, you're one of the founders of 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 Stigs along with Dor. Um, what led you to uh, to to start Stigs? Well, actually, um, our journey begins with uh, my shared experience working with Door together at New Relic. Um, and what's interesting there is that uh, we were rolling out a new product line um, called uh, the AIOps product line. And uh, what we did is basically uh, release new features uh, or change the existing features. And we um, had hard time in order to figure out how these features are going to be priced and packaged or how they um, uh, coexist with the existing um, pricing and packaging setup. I think that's the, um, that's the thing that like, triggered us in order to think of how we can um, build a tool or a solution that helps companies rolling out um, those kind of changes seamlessly. Um, and during that period, I think there was a, like a major overhaul, overhaul in pricing uh, for New Relic. Uh, we're adopting a new pricing strategy. Um, and that change affected many teams, many different organizations like within the company. Um, a lot of collaboration was uh, required in order to uh, make this change uh, effectively. Um, and that's where we started playing with this idea of you know, how we can create a collaborative platform that allows you to um, do those changes in a no code and be like the source of truth of your pricing packaging of, you know, for your company. And trying to think what, what years you were at New Relic, you were there 2000, this was early 2020 when they did that pricing change. Is that correct? About? Yeah, basically it, 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 the, the groundwork began a little bit earlier than that. It took like several months in order to um, 
you know, to update legacy pricing and uh, adjust to this new change. Um, and there were the, there was a, like a lot of technical work behind the scenes. I think that like maybe New Relic is one example, but a lot of companies like in even my in my previous life, um, I think that pricing was something that was always um, on the sidelines of the business because it's something that was an author thought. Once you you know you decide on the pricing strategy, basically you, usually it's like the first one you think of. Or you once you agree, you got the committee, and then everyone agrees on your pricing strategy, and you want to implement that. Usually it's somewhere like in early early days of a company, um, and then what happens is that this kind of work falls on the engineering to in order to implement that pricing, and you know engineering are pragmatic. Engineers are pragmatic. So you want to do like the, the easiest, the quickest way to deal with this problem and to move on to more interesting stuff. And this kind of thinking, I think, like affects, um, hurts your ability in order to, uh, when you want to change that, because it's usually like something like we want to get it out the door. We just do this, you know, hard-coded stuff, hard-coded configuration. We just want to roll it out. Um, and then you create your first technical depth in those areas, um, which almost never be, being covered, like never paid back. Um, and then these things, you know, whenever time passes on and then the management decides we want to change our pricing because right now we are a more mature company than we was before. And we already added tons of, bunch of different features and we want to change our pricing because we live in money revenue on the table um, the new version of this pricing strategy lands again on the engineering team and then they have to you know unfold something that they built years ago and start figuring out how that how we can make it work with the new pricing strategy and if that infrastructure is not robust enough or not flexible enough i think that's starting be becoming a big problem at least from the companies that we had the experience or personal experience working with or um, talked about talked about it. Yeah, I, I talked to Dor previously, and uh, and and what got me excited about this this uh, this interview and this interview with you was I've always had this personal interest in pricing models and how they work and what happens. And in fact, I was involved with New Relic's first couple of changes in their pricing models back when they were, you know, I, I started at New Relic in 2011 or 2012, sometime, I think it was 2012. And uh, they were still a straight PLG model. You know, the, give me a credit card, that's all you need. And they moved to an enterprise model and then moved back into kind of a mixture of both. And each of those was a just a massive impact on the application because nobody put any thought into how do you build the pricing model? And everyone, you know, said, well, whatever we do now, we'll just do it. Includes it in place because this will never change again anyway. And it always does. So um, <laughs> I, I've been... Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm intrigued by this idea of a of a SaaS service that provides um, pricing packages. And we're talking about pricing packages and capabilities. We're not talking Stripe here. We're talking uh, much higher level integration than what you do with with a typical, you know, just integrating with Stripe for credit cards. We're talking about um, handling the entire 
pricing package. Can, can you talk a little bit about what that means? What What is it that you provide over and above what a simple Stripe integration would have for a customer? What does integrating with you give a customer? Yeah, sure. So there's a, there's like a few layers that maybe people are familiar with. It. Like there's a payment processors or payment gateways that their function, main function is to, you know, accept payment methods and then charge the customer based on some price or some amount and send an invoice at the best scenario. There's a second layer, which also Stripe provides, which is uh, the subscription management and billing. Basically, their responsibility is, you know, to try and renew the customer subscription on a monthly or annually basis by attempting to uh, charge his credit card again. And if it fails, there's the whole concept of dunning and retries. Um, So that's like the the focus of billing, I think, Um, you know, this kind of scheduler, basically, that's uh, (laughs) that's the thing that drives it. The uh, workflow with subscriptions can be yeah. non-trivial in its own right, but yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Subscription is like a f- finite state machine, I guess, somewhere. And there's a, like this scheduler that sends events and updates it uh, over a period of time. And there's a, the whole lifecycle management, and that's actually where Stig comes in, because in those billing uh, solutions, basically they. Um, leave the responsibility of how to provision the subscription, like how to provision access based on the subscription to you. They know how to, you know, charge a customer like every month. They know to have some sort of a product catalog management where you can set different, create different products and different prices. And when you create a subscription for a customer, they say to you that, okay, right now you have this webhook that you need to accept and then handle it and based on this webhook and on this subscription lifecycle events, you need to understand or figure out how you grant access to your product uh, based on what happened to the subscription and how your application should react on those events. Um, And that's the main piece that uh, Stig comes in where we basically provide an entitlement infrastructure. I will explain a little bit what entitlements in in just in a few, but um, which allows you to automatically provision uh, access to your product uh, based on this, on this subscription, a subscription uh, life cycle. And then we take all the concerns of how do I integrate with Stripe? How do I handle those billing events? Um, Basically we take that everything away from you. And on top of that, uh, we allow um, fine, like fine-tuned control over what customers get after they complete their purchase. So basically, whenever there's a payment being processed and a subscription has been created, we take uh, care of the rest. Um, and we also provide um, different kind of automations on top of that. Uh, so let's say you want to uh, send, you want to have a better trial management. You want to notify clients whenever they're close to finish a trial. Um, or if you want to get a customer success wants to give a specific access to a certain feature in your application, they can do it through a stick without changing any code. So, and that, that the things that I'm like describing right now are uh, possible by um, this concept of entitlements. 
if you embrace entitlements and entitlements, you can think of them like as a permissions, but they're not tied to roles or to any RBEC solutions, attribute based solutions. They're basically uh, features that the customer can access and use in your product based on the plan or the subscription um, that it's, it's subscribed to. Um, and by having these building blocks of entitlements, there's a bunch of different types of entitlements. There are entitlements that are represent some functionality within your application, can be like accessing a page or accessing a section in a page or you interacting with a certain element in the application or a backend API or whatever. And there's also meter entitlements. Meter entitlements usually represent usage like seats or API calls. Um, and those entitlements allows you to track usage of a specific customer for this specific certain feature. And then um, you can choose if you want to, let's say you want to limit this customer to a specific threshold, or you want to uh, decide the, uh, that you want to price by this met type of metric. And this flexibility is basically, um, I think, the key uh, that unlocks you the opportunities of changing your pricing without going back and forth into the code base, basically in almost in no code manner um, and allow you to be less concerned of um, how will I change my pricing again in the, you know, in the next quarter or in the next two quarters and allow, it basically allows you to change your pricing like in a click on a button um, once the initial integration has been done. Cool. Yeah. So this is a layer essentially on top of Stripe that provides the mappings between uh, the product offerings and the details of those product offerings um, and, and the model of payment. So um, you can swap out payment mechanisms. You can swap out entitlements, as you call them, and, and, and you just manage the difference between them. So let's go into that a little bit more detail. Let's talk about the different types of entitlements. Now, I'm sure you have entitlements like this feature is included or not included, but you probably also have resource-based entitlements and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about the differences there? Yeah, well, basically, um, the entitlements are the same across different resources. That's, that's at least how we see them. There's no... Um, there's no much differentiation between uh, how entitlements represented in different apps because usually it's like more of a feature flag, something like that. That's the most easiest way to explain what entitlement is. And that the feature flag that automatically is enabled or disabled based on you know the the, the plan of the of the customer. Um, and there's as I mentioned before, there are different uh, ways to treat entitlements if it's like a you know, a feature gate or, um, or usage-based entitlement. Um, so I liked your, like ex your explanation, um, that you described it as basically like a, a mapping that's more than a, an implementation detail of, of the package itself in your application. Like, I think that like, if we want, if you want to have, um, a flexible and, you know, uh, Sorry, I, I lost my train, train of thought. Sorry. No, that that's fine. Um, so basically, you can you can it allows you the flexibility to allow you to decide. You know, we in we want to create a package that has this set of capabilities, and and uh, and and you can change that. Changing your pricing plan, you can change that without impacting the application itself. 
Yeah, basically that. Once what what like it, it's very similar to feature flex. Whenever you roll out a new feature, or you want to you know put a existing feature behind behind the plan. And there's like two use cases basically. Whenever you introduce a new feature, and usually it goes like to the free plan or in like the enterprise plan, depending on the side or whatever plan you want. Um, so this is when you introduce new functionality and you want to monetize it. So that's where the, that's the moment where you need to think and decide where like under which plan it goes. Um, another uh, another option is like I wanna. I have some existing functionality that we didn't thought about earlier to split in our monetizing it. And then we want to, you know, wrap it up around this, you know, feature gating functionality or, or maybe we just want to, um, go for usage-based pricing for specific events that occur in my application. And whenever, once you do that, once you introduce this type of, you know, uh, entitlement, you can basically change it between different plans without ever going back to your code base to do so. So that's that, that's that's the fun, that's the flexibility that you gain um, by working with entitlements. So, so let's talk about the resource-based entitlements for a moment here. So I, I'm imagining a you know I have a product where I offer 20 gigabytes of disk storage space for images or something, you know, let's just make, make that up. And it's, you know, it's at this tier, it's 20 gigabytes at the next tier, it's a hundred gigabytes at the next tier, it's 200 gigabytes. And, you know, there's, there's all sorts of business questions that go along with that. Like, what do you do when a customer goes to 20.1 gigabytes? What, what happens? Um, and, and what processes occur to make all that work? Uh, what options do you provide to your customers for those business decisions? Those what technical options? We're we want to keep this technical. I don't. We don't need to talk about the business side. But but to those sorts of decisions that customers have to go into, what options do you provide them? What capabilities do you provide? Yeah. Well, basically, what you described is tiered pricing, um, and we also like in Steg, we're basically. Um, allow you to configure different prices for it, for this specific metric, let's say that you said megabytes or gigabytes, whatever the unit that you want to measure. Um, so once you set this type of um, metric, we allow you to set this different threshold, different limits. Let's say like if you offer a free plan, okay, it doesn't make sense to um, allow the customer to use as much as, you know, storage space that that's, you have to limit that at some point. Um, so let's say for the free plan, it makes sense to set some, you know, low limits on the storage in order to create this um, motion to, you know, to upgrade to upsell your plan. Um, and another type of, you know, configuration might be is like having this overage when you, whenever you pass, you get some like a, a certain quantity of usage that you can consume under uh, in a certain plan and whenever you pass that you there's a thing that's called overage that you want you will you will be billed extra on the overage amount um so like from technical standpoint there's no difference like for uh, like if you work with like a platform like stig um from technical view all you have to do is report those events to stig we do all the aggregation and all the calculation, and also we check with the uh, usage within the limits of the plan of the customer. Um, 
if you choose to limit to enforce these limits, we'll simply uh, grant, have uh, provide you with an API that you can ask if there's a customer who has reached this limit or not, and you can choose to start rejecting those events or the, or present like an opportunity to uh, for the customer to upgrade its plan. And another option might be like this: the, the one I stated before, like an overage. Uh, we will handle that for you. We'll basically, if you have a billing integration, let's say you work with Stripe, we we know how to aggregate that usage and then reflect it in an invoice that will the customer will get at the end of the month. Um, so from engineering standpoint, there is no difference in how you integrate with Stig because this you only you only, simply you just need to send those events to us, uh, and we do the rest. So you have a variety of different pricing models that you can choose from, including pay for overage, right? Where you pay based on actual usage instead of on a planned. Yeah, exactly. Our vision. Yeah, exactly. Our vision is to support as many pricing options, like being the most flexible pricing platform for different pricing models within the SaaS ecosystem. And... with time, we adapt more and more. Uh, we also try to uh, focus on the like the best practices or the industry standards in the in pricing, um, by guiding the user into some certain templates or examples of how you should price your product based on you know competition or other players in your in your market. Um, so, I think in time we will have like this. Um, kind of a variety of pricing options already pre-made as templates uh, for for whatever option you want to go, you can go, and then we will uh, ask you for what you need to do in order to get to that point there where you can price your product like that. That sounds great. Uh, let, let's talk some about the developer experience. So this is this. I, I love the way this fits into the ecosystem from a business standpoint that you just, you're separating out the concept of, of deciding what's allowed from how to bill for it. And that's a wonderful separation, a wonderful way to do that. But let's talk about the developer integration. There is an integration that has to go on to Stigs. And um, part of your goal is to make that um, independent of the pricing. So you, you want it to be a uniform integration so tell me walk me through the initial developer experience for what it takes to integrate with stigs and what a you know a software architect for a SaaS application has to think about when they're trying to design their integration to a system like stigs yeah well i think that like to start with what what are the options like that you have without using a solution like like stig like the options that you have is basically uh, choose a billing software, start integrating in that. Um, everything that is client-facing uh, or you know requires application logic, you have to do on your own. Um, if it's like if it's enforcing access to certain features, you can choose not to. By the way, there's some companies that do not even enforce access. They say they do, like in the pricing. They say they have a let's say. Two workspaces, but they decide not to limit that. It's uh, you'll be surprised on how many how many companies do that. That just if the customer you know uh, passed that limit, okay, someone will reach out to him and talk to him or try to convert him. But uh, not everything is enforced. But if you want to do it properly, pro- properly, especially if you're a PLG company, um, 
you probably should do this in type of enforcement because you know there are some bad bad actors always in the market. Um, but in general, uh, even even if you leave in the enforcement aside, you have you still have to think about integration with the billing system, integration maybe with your CRM for if you have a sales dead motion. You have to think of what's the source of truth, you know, what of what the customer actually is paying for. Um, natively, it will be let's say a billing solution like Stripe, but often you want to you know have a richer experience. Uh, maybe inside your application, if you want to have like your own customer portal or your own paywalls, um, it will require additional development effort on your side. You have to like take this kind of information from maybe Stripe, which doesn't always have all that information, and you have to take something from you know store something at your end and then combining it together in order to draw something sensible for the customer whenever he reaches this limit or you know there's a in the customer portal but like a billing page um so there's a, like a, a lot of engineering involved i think and also like probably some um conversations about where the data is that should be residing and how we synchronize all the systems um, which are part of the challenge of building it your own on your own. Um, so if we take stick, for example, I think that like the most easiest thing that you can do is just grabbing one of our widgets. We have a library of, uh, several types of widgets. One of them, let's say you have a pricing plans widget, which you can just embed in your pricing page. And it will be uh, synchronized with the, your product catalog within Stig. Um, so whenever you will update it, or like a product manager update it, or even the CEO will update it, it will be automatically reflected on your pricing page. Like this is the most easiest thing, I, I think, if you want to start the integration, because it's very straightforward. Um, and once you're happy with that, you can progress into starting using other widgets, like the customer portal, which allows the customers to upgrade and downgrade in a self-serve manner, um, and which can be also quite easily embedded, embedded in, inside your application. Um, and usually the step after that is th trying to think of, okay, um, I have decided on my pricing strategy and what are the requirements for me in order to implement that? Probably there's some like feature gates that you need to add. There's some events that you want to send to Stig in order to get them, get those metered. Um, and then based on this data, you can create different pricing packages and, you know, for different segments, probably of your, uh, different customer segments. Um, that's usually how you differentiate between different plans. Um, and even for like, if you have a enterprise slash sales led motion, um, you have to think of like how those um, SDRs work. How do they create you know this type of quotes and provision those quotes to your customers? This is all like companies usually start small. They just do everything manually. But if they start rolling, you know, growing, and they want to do that at scale, it starts to be a little bit complicated. So with this entitlements platform, it's cut kind of straightforward because every quote that you send to your customer is based on those entitlements usually because that's that's the thing that you sell 
that's the features that the customer gets. Like if, if you look at the, let's say a, a Datadog uh, uh, quote, there you usually you see like a list of um, capabilities like KPM and you get like uh, 1 million traces and you have uh, uh, monitors and you have like all the different kind of metrics. Those quotes can be easy, like this type of quote can be easily uh, translated into entitlements and being automated whenever a customer, you know, signs up on this contract and uh, accepts the agreement. Um, and even for that use case, for this use case, Stig can help or platform like Stig in order to automate this type of provisioning and allow instant access to the customer whenever this type of contract is signed. I'm sure there's, um, you know, there's a, as many varieties of pricing plans as there are customers out there, right? And I, and I, and I, and I get that, but you've probably started to notice some trends in the industry, right? Of the most popular pricing plans or perhaps a, um, uh, a trend uh, of what what people are moving to as far as new pricing plans, et cetera. What are some of the things that you can tell us about? What what, what are the most popular ways that people set up their pricing plans today using Stig? Yeah, well, I think it's a, a, a little bit like differentiated between different sizes of those companies. Like I think there's a, there's, let's say there's a small startups, like they are seed to A and they're A to B and they're B to C and, you know, based on their uh, funding rounds. And I think there's like a, um, a common practice that usually, uh, for early stage startup is to start simple. It's like, just, you know, the, the first thing that you think you should price for is it's the, it's probably better than not pricing at all not having pricing at all. So yeah, um, usually those early stage startup have like a flat fee or something like that. The more advanced ones are usually thinking about seats and this concept of seats, seed-based pricing you know, depends on your product. Yeah. Because if you're an infrastructure product and there's no users in your, like using your application, it doesn't make sense to price on seats, but usually with there, when there's a, some kind of, uh, user interaction involved. It's a seed-based pricing for those early stage startups um, or even like A round and B round. Um, and at some point, I think where the product grows and there's some more features and more capabilities, there's like a switch into usage-based pricing because it makes sense where you have a very rich offering of functionality or, um, and you want to Allow, and you don't want to scare, like you, because you have so much capabilities, it's usually you think, okay, I do so much, the price tag should be high, but then it will be really hard to bring this, you know, early stage customers in because it will be too expensive for them. So usage-based pricing is kind of an enabler to, uh, to get those, uh, smaller segments into where we, they will, you know, they will grow with you. So it, it, it does make sense to see this pattern where seed-based pricing transitions into somewhat usage-based pricing down more the road. Sophisticated, right? Yeah, something more sophisticated. Usually it's like they start complicated with many metrics, different pricing metrics, and then they consolidate into like a single metric that like tokens or like, you know, chips in a casino or something like that. And then that you can use those type of credits to pay for different like different 
um, uh, functions within this product. I find it interesting as you look at different pricing from different SaaS applications, you can almost get an idea of where they are on their growth journey by how sophisticated their pricing is. It's the, you know, the real simple start out, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, fixed prices like, well, they're never going to make money that way because they are, they don't know what their real things are that are really costing them money, you know? And so you can start seeing some of that happen as a, uh, as companies mature and they go forward. That's, yeah. That's, I think that's cool. uh, fixed price is like a really hard to nail it. Right. Um, and I saw some companies that, you know, try to break it down to having like uh, five, six, seven different packages, but it's just even more confusing than exactly, you know, multiple than, packages doesn't yeah. solve the problem <laughs> yeah. <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. It's like a bell curve. Like there's, there's the complexity and you know, a rising complexity, and then it goes down into something more basic and simple, even then. That makes sense. So, so what are the most requested changes that your customers are asking you for we, I want to support pricing this way, but you don't do it yet. What, what are some of the, uh, the, you know, maybe they're representing the up and coming ways that people want to think about pricing or, or the, the, or the most obscure, I, I'm not sure what the, whether they're, which one that is up and coming or obscure. They, it could be either one, but, um, but what are some of the changes that people are requesting in pricing plans? Um, do you mean like uh, specifically for a company or, or from Stig? Well, we, right. Yeah. What, what I mean is companies that are requesting support for you to support this idea they have for pricing. Um, I think that actually, honestly, I think that we support like most of the pricing models out there in the market. So I didn't get any like super weird requests. I think that the challenges are on the on the other part um like of the problem it's not how how to model this pricing is like is is your infrastructure solution is reliable enough to use that i think that's uh um that's the most uh, critical part when you build something like the, like stig because stig basically you know handles your revenue in some way um, and sits behind. How can we depend on you? Yeah, it's it's a mission critical software, and uh, you know there's a lot of concerns around how you can make that, you know, highly available and reliable. Um, and I think that those are like the most concerns I I hear uh, about a product like Stig. Not even in the in the areas of pricing. Like, um. I think that if you plan to build something like this, you need to understand how mission critical this piece is, and um, you know, taking that, taking the uh, the defensive side of how you build this type of system, how it can recover from failures, how you can ensure that it's uh, always responsive and always available, and also available across different regions. Um, and you know, as we go, as we grow, I think we always like on a on an improvement. Even if we started early on, on you know, design the system to be as much as scalable and highly available as possible. But uh, as we move forward, we discover new, like, you know, new cases where there's a um, there's some trade-offs of between availability or consistency we must take on when we build the system going forward uh, to support scale and. It's, I think that's how, that's what makes this, you know, type of product very tricky. 
um, because on the on, on the one side you want to have this type of flexibility and different business you know different business capabilities but at the core level it has to be uh, you have to think about redundancy and what happens if your system is down how the customers you know can continue using the product of your customers like the end users how they're gonna fill this downtime um, and we have like a bunch of guardrails in place uh, when we designed this type of system you know we started um fully serverless as much as possible and relying on you know on the standing on the shoulder of the giants and using uh, cloud services as much as we can um and uh, also uh, thinking about um globally distributed system where we can have multiple regions uh, and if one region is down how we do this failover and use another region and so yeah, there's a lot of concerns regarding those areas. And I think that if you go down this road, you have to think about it from the get-go and not leaving it as an afterthought. Usually startups, you know, they think of this type of problems is a, is a scale problem. It's once you have traction and once you have, you know, starting growing, you have more customers, you need to think about how you can scale your solution. But when you build a platform, which is in, like an infrastructure piece for other developers to use, I think that you've got to consider reliability. You have to consider that from the start. It's like uh, they won't use you because it's scary. I wouldn't use myself if I had, didn't have a good answers for this type of questions. You know, <laughs> you are definitely preaching to the choir here. Uh, <laughs> definitely. So yeah, no, I, I appreciate that uh, that perspective. That's great, and thank you. Uh, so Anton Zagerbelny is the CTO of Stig an easy-to-implement, headless pricing and packaging platform. Anton, hopefully I got your name right again this time, and thank you for joining me today on Software Engineering Daily. It was really fun being here. Thank you for inviting me.